Thanks for listening to the weekly Overflow Church podcast. We hope you enjoy this sermon by Jesse Cup. For more information, visit overflowindy.com or visit us on Facebook at Overflow Indy. All righty. Well, I need to move into the things that's on my heart. Um, I, I'm, I'm, I'm having this habit that's starting to build where the Lord's putting these things on my heart. And as I'm going, I'm realizing how much substance is packed into it that I'm like, man, I, I thought it was going to be a one message. And the Lord's like, nah, <laughs> no, they, they need way more than that. All right. And so and so do I. So I'm trying to just I'm trying to give thorough teachings on some of these things. And uh, I think I, I, I can't remember if last week was the first one. I think it was the second one. I, I started a series that I thought was one session on spiritual warfare. And, and I'm actually, Dennis, you might want to know this. I'm titling the series Victorious Warfare. All right. Because guess what? There's actually there's actually spiritual warfare that's not victorious. <laughs> And I, I don't think that any of us have time for that kind. Amen? So before I dive in, I, I think that it would be a good idea for us to just take another drink of the Holy Ghost together. And as a matter of fact, if you're good with it, why don't you reach over and just put your hand on the shoulder of somebody. And while you're doing that, know also they're putting their hand on you. So what that means is this is going to be a release and a receive moment. So, so release the, just the Holy Spirit on them and, and also receive Holy Spirit. Just let them touch you right now. By the way, this is probably one of the most powerful forms of spiritual warfare is getting filled with the Holy Spirit. Okay, So Lord, we just drink of you right now. Hallelujah. You are in this room. Lord, you fill us. You, you live in us. And I ask you to flow right now. Flow, Lord. Hallelujah. Lord, I, I ask you to saturate every fiber of our beings right now, Lord. In the name of Jesus. And I pray that you'll release um, just the, the Spirit, Lord, that you, that's you, of wisdom and revelation. That you'll unlock our understanding. And just reveal kingdom truth to us in greater measures, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. <clears throat> All right, what I, what I want to focus on today, my, my title today, this is part three of Victorious Warfare. And, and the title today is Focus on What You Want to Empower. Focus on What You Want to Empower. All right, because what you focus on, you empower. What you what you place your attention on, you dwell and you meditate, you fixate your attention to. You're actually giving that access to influence your heart and your spirit, and your mind. All right, so so focus on what you want to empower because focus is powerful. All right. And I'm going, to, I'm going to give you a few just real non-spiritual examples of this just for fun, just to kind of set the, the stage here. How many of you guys know what a slug bug is? Slug bug. 
I, I, I've never really been into slug bugs. That's a Volkswagen bug, right? Never been into those. Uh, and, and, uh, but I remember when I was, when I was uh, fresh out of high school, one of my friends from Connecticut, they had this game where they'd be driving around. If they saw a slug bug, they'll say, padiddle, and then they'll hit the, the ceiling. They'll do like that. I think some people, who, who they'll say slug bug, and whoever gets to say it first maybe gets to punch the person next to him. Is that, anybody know that one? All right, so slug bug. And so I, I've never really cared about Volkswagen bugs, um, but, but uh, after David got old enough to start noticing cars and stuff, I taught him about the slug bug. And so now we have this just constant, I mean, it's probably a five years in game of slug bug. And so whoever got the most slug bugs in a day wins. I don't know what you win. You, you get the pride, I guess. But, but after I started playing slug bug with David, guess what? They're everywhere. Everywhere. They're everywhere. Slug, I didn't even notice them before, but they're everywhere. I, they're on my mind so much just subconsciously that if I'm driving with somebody else, uh, the other day I was in the car with Ron Nicholson. He has no idea. I almost blurted out, slug bug, because <laughs> this has kind of become a habit. But what you focus on, it becomes prominent in your mind, right? You, you start noticing things, and then all of a sudden, they're everywhere you're looking, right? I remember back when, before I ever met Jessica, I was a bachelor. I lived with my brother in Greenfield. And I, I have a friend who, who in that season was a real spiritual mentor of mine um, named David. And so David uh, came over to my house one day, first time he was in there, and he's hanging out in my room. Um, it was kind of a common room with my brother and me too. And man, was it a messy room. But I, I forgot that it was messy because I was just used to it, okay? But David is in there, and we're talking about the kingdom. And, and then, but he's like, Jesse, he looked around this mess, and he said, do you really think God wants to come in a room that looks like this? <laughs> I'm like, oh, thanks for imparting shame to me. <laughs> but what he actually imparted to me was spiritual OCD, because after that point, uh, I, I, got, I just kind of got to where I was self-conscious of my environment. And I don't, I don't mean other people's environments. I mean the ones that, I am in, that I'm responsible for. And so it got to this point where if I'm praying or I'm studying my word, if there's things that are clutter, I, I, don't, I mean, this doesn't apply to my kitchen, all right? <laughs> it applies to other places. I try to stay away from where that is so I can actually focus. Because Jessica can talk to you about her kitchen. That's my problem. But anyway, so that's not my prayer area, usually. Um, <laughs> but, but sometimes, like, like in my office at home, I have a picture up on the wall. And, and I'll, I'll actually notice that thing is crooked by about this much. And it'll drive me nuts. And I have to go put that thing back in place. The other day, I was, I was studying the Word, and I'm like, Lord, thank you. I'm get, trying to get this revelation out of the corner of my eye. I saw a, fur, a, a hairball on the floor. From not my hairbrush, didn't belong in that room, all right? And I had to pick that thing up before I could focus again. Uh, I, I'm not telling you that God is really one who's like, ah, oh, your environment's not good enough for me to show up in. It just kind of put this thing in me back then, and, it, and it, it's just, I don't know, maybe it's an OCD thing, but, uh, but it's hard for me sometimes to focus when 
I'm talking about my environment. I'm not talking about, I don't do this to other people's home, all right? Just talking about me and my, my property. The, it just kind of, I have to get, it, it makes chaos, I guess, sometimes. I, I just want to clear it up. And, and part of it really comes from a heart of wanting to create holy ground, you know, removing distractions. But gosh, help me, Jesus, just to get over the little paper wad that's on the floor. You know, you guys know what I'm saying? But somehow back then in the 90s, when David said that, it just put something on my mind. And, and now that it was on my mind, it's like, it, it's, I, I, it's just on the mind sometimes. I notice things that I wouldn't have noticed before. So you, you guys get the point, right? All right. When David was about a year and a half old in Reading, um, there, there was a time when I came home from my job at, at BSM. I came home, and Jessica was gone, and David was gone at the babysitter's house. And I walked in, and the, the back door to the, to the backyard was a glass door shattered all over the floor. And I'm, I go over there, it freaked me out, and I looked around, and I'm like, what is going on? I, and I started noticing messes around the house and, and found out somebody broke in, and they stole a safe. Even some of David's silver that was given to him when he was born was, was stolen and just things like that. And so... Um, it was crazy, and, and so, like, after my thoughts set in, like, it was on my mind, and have, have you ever had your house broken or your car? It can be a little traumatic, actually, and so I, it, it put me in a state of paranoia, and so for, the, for that night, I couldn't sleep one wink that night. And, I mean, I, I went outside and set booby traps around the house to... Somebody was going to sneak around there. They'd, they'd kick the fish in line and dangle all these cans all over the place. And I know somebody's out there. I, I just had to get my perimeter set up. And I, I got kind of obsessed with home protection. And I couldn't sleep for the next few nights because it was just constantly on my mind. And I'm focusing on the problem. All right. And it's stirring anxiety in me. And so um, I, and I, and I, I would lay in bed through the night, like just role-playing different kinds of attack scenarios and just things like that. Just trying to like imagine, like, what if they come back? How am I going to protect my home? And so, and, and so like in a few days, the Lord actually, show, he, he reminded me that I had been watching a lot of violent TV shows in that season. Um, how many of you guys ever saw Jack Bauer 24, one of the coolest shows ever, but I'm not endorsing it because I'm a holy man. <laughs> but I used to watch 24 all the time. And, it, and it'll keep you on the edge of your seat. And, there, and I mean, he's trying to save America every moment of every single day. I don't even think he sleeps or eats or goes to the bathroom. But, but uh, it's just constant. But it's constant action. And, but the, the point that I'm making is I was in a season where I was watching that stuff regularly, and so it's feeding my mind with thoughts of violence and attack and danger constantly. And so when, when my house gets broken in, what gets triggered? The thing I've been filling my mind with, what, what I've been focusing on, I was empowering to have influence on me. All right? And so I actually had to... Uh, the Lord actually said, you need to take a break from anything violent or 
serious on TV for a while. So I started watching comedies. I think that, I think I watched a, a Nacho Libre because that's a good one. <laughs> but but like just trying to trying to fill, like cleanse my my focus again. All right. And so and then and then here's another example. Last year, about a year ago, for several months. I don't think I'm probably the only person in the room glued to the news, all right, with elections, with the, the break-in and the Capitol, and all the crazy chaos. There was the BLM, violent, and the riots, and just all the stuff, Antifa, all the things. Uh, there is concerns of tyranny. There is just all the stuff that's just like going crazy, and, and people are, are just not knowing what to do. Like, it, it's a... It's a chaotic season where what need, what's going to happen? How do I need to be ready for it? All right. So it produced fear, anxiety, frustration, disappointment, and ultimately a lot of hopelessness. And, and I had to work through a lot of that stuff. And, and eventually I realized that the more I'm paying attention to the news and, and all the stuff that's going on, the more it's feeding my mind on things that are of the second heaven realm and the things of this earth. And the Lord is reminding me that I need to set my mind on the things above, not the things of this earth. And I had to shut the TV off, shut the news websites off, all that stuff, and, and start focusing in on the kingdom of God. And, and I had to renew my mind again. And, and I had to, I had to refocus because I was so energized and trying to just be ready for whatever. And I, and the Lord, um, he, he just was trying to help me remember that we're part of a superior kingdom. Amen. <clears throat> and even, even in that situation, like when you're hearing news reports of, of giant crowds of people like going through cities and vandalizing and turning cars upside down and then they're going into neighborhoods and all that stuff and I I'm like I'm literally was spending time just considering my home defense system and 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 I'm not even saying that's bad I'm just saying like I was so fixated on it and I was laying on my floor trying to pray but my subconscious was on that stuff and the Lord came and he spoke to me he said Jesse you need to know something your greatest weapon is your spirit. All right. I, I need to refocus my where my I need to refocus. Where what am I paying most attention to? I need to make sure that I'm aiming it in the places that are going to empower me the way I need to. Amen. So what you focus on, you empower. And whatever you're searching for, you're sure to find it. Jesus said, seek and you will find. And, and that goes for either realm. All right? I, I, don't, I don't know if any of you could attest to experiencing this, but I've had times when we were having campfire times or whatever with the guys, and, and, and we want to tell um, haunted house stories or, or demon stories or whatever, and like it, it's kind of interesting for a moment, but how many of you guys have ever experienced this, that the more you start talking about that, the more you actually start feeling the presence of a spirit of fear coming around you? Do you know why? Because what you focus on, you empower. 
All right? But the good news is it works for the right kingdom. And, and I've noticed, too, that when I talk about angels and encounters with angels and just what God does with them and stuff, the more I start talking about them, guess what? I start feeling them manifesting up around me. I start feeling movement in the spirit around me. And I'm talking about like it's pleasant, it's good, not that fear stuff, all right? And, and the more I talk about God's glory and the manifestations of Him, the more I start feeling His glory just kind of swarming in. You know why? Because what you focus on, you empower. All right? It's like, it's like your focus becomes permission for that thing to show up. And it wants to. Whichever kingdom you're talking about, it wants to show up. All right? I, I want to open the doors to him to show up, not for the other guy to show up. You got it? All right, so what you put your focus on, you empower and you allow it to have power and influence in your life. And I want to give you guys some examples on this. I'm going to start out in Numbers chapter 21. Numbers 21, verse 6 through 9. This was was a response to one of the many times that those amazing Israelites were out there in the sovereign protection and provision of the Lord, but they're complaining as things weren't quite the way they wished they were. All right? So they're complaining to the Lord and uh, Numbers 21, 6-9. It says, So the Lord sent fiery serpents among the people, and they bit the people, and many of the people of Israel died. Therefore the people came to Moses and said, We have sinned. Oh, now, you, now that you're getting bit and dying, you want to you own up to it, huh? <laughs> we have sinned, for we have spoken against the Lord and against you. Pray to the Lord that He take away the serpents from us. So Moses prayed for the people. Then the Lord said to Moses, Make a fiery serpent and set it on a pole, and it shall be that everyone who is bitten when he looks at it shall live. So Moses made a bronze serpent and put it on a pole. And so it was, if the serpent had bitten anyone, when he looked at it, when he looked at the bronze serpent, he lived. All right. So, so the people are having repercussions of sin and, and they're getting attacked by serpents. Many of them are dying and all of them are afraid that they're going to get bit and die. And so what do they do? What do they do? They, they go to the man that they wanted to be a mediator between them and God because they didn't want to be close to God themselves. So they're like, Moses, can you fix the problem for us? So they're trying to put the responsibility fix the problem on the holy man, all right? To get him to do something. So he goes and prays, and what does God do? He tells Moses how he wants to lead the people to actually be responsible themselves instead of it being Moses' problem to fix. He told Moses to do something, and Moses had to tell them that when I do this, this is what you need to do. So you actually need to take ownership of this problem that you're in okay and so what does he do God tells him to put on a staff 
an, uh, an image that looks like the very thing that's killing them. Okay? But he's calling on them to not focus on the problem that's killing them, but to lift their eye. How many of you, if, if you've got 10, a thousand snakes surrounding you snapping, which direction do you want to be looking? I'm going to be looking down and doing, doing a whole bunch of this, the kind of a thing. <laughs> like, <laughs> you're going to be freaking out. And, you, and while you're trying to dodge a snake, you're actually landing on the head of another one. Oh, that's a good plan. That was my, <laughs> thanks, man. There, and and there's, there's millions of snakes all over the place, all right? They're biting like hundreds of thousands of people. Like, you're not going to jump away from that thing. No matter how hard you try, but you're going to want to focus on the problem to try to find your way out of it. But the Lord is putting responsibility on them. And it's going to take action, and it's going to take faith. Because you have to believe that something is going to help you that's beyond what you can do for yourself. Because you can't do nothing for yourself. Alright? So what does he do? Look up. Lift your eyes off the problem onto the solution. Alright? He didn't give them the power to bind and rebuke snakes. He gave them the, the invitation to lift their eyes up over the snakes onto the answer. Come on. Only one place to look. You couldn't, you couldn't lift your eyes up and look elsewhere. You can't, look, you can't lift your eyes up and look at the altar on the other mountain that somebody else put up there. No. One place. Look here. Eyes off the problem, onto the solution. Come on. It's in the image of the very thing that's killing them. The Bible says that Jesus became sin for us. To take away the sin from us. The Bible says that Jesus became a curse so He could set us free from the curse. In the image of the problem that's killing you, Jesus came to become our substitute. Got it. He's the answer. Right? But check this out. What's the, what's the most famous Bible verse in the whole Bible? John 3.16. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whoever believes in Him will not perish have everlasting life. Learned that in probably preschool. All right? But the verses right before it make it more powerful. Because right before that, verses 14 and 15, Jesus said, And Moses, whoa, lifted up the serpent in the wilderness. Oh my goodness, Jesus is referencing that story. He, he lifted up the serpent in the wilderness. Whoa. Even so must the Son of Man be lifted up that whoever believes in Him will not perish but have everlasting life. Come on. 
For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whoever believes in Him will not perish, but will have everlasting life. He's saying this to people who are in bondage to sin and under the curses of Satan. He's saying it to people who cannot get their way out of the problem that they're in. Look at the snakes that are surrounding you and biting you and tormenting you and killing you. You can't get your way out of this. Don't care how holy you try to be, you can't get your way out of that. What do you do? Oh, yeah, you're going to have to get your eyes off the problem that's killing you. You can't, you can't fix the problem. Get your eyes off the problem and put your eyes where the solution is. It's Jesus Christ being lifted up on the cross. Come on. You can't get your way out of sin and bondage but you can look to the one who already has set you free. When you focus on it, when the Israelites are focusing on the snakes, they're dying left and right. When, when they, by faith, get their eyes off the problem and they lift their eyes to the provision of the Lord, the Lord rescued them. It doesn't say that snakes stop biting them either. But it says that they survived and they made it through it just fine. Lift your eyes off the problem and focus on the solution. And there's only one place that the solution comes from. is Jesus Christ. Crucified, resurrected. Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. We can't out-battle the problems. But we can we can we can put our focus on where the solution is and he will set us free from all of them. And you might still even have snakes trying to bite your heels. Guess what? It doesn't matter now. I'm looking at Jesus and I'm free and they have no power in my life anymore. Now, in him, I can actually tread on serpents and scorpions. Hallelujah. The problem or the, the focus is no longer on the, the demonic, the sin, the, the stuff that binds us up. That's not the focus. I can't do anything in, of, in and of myself. I can't, I can't overcome that. But greater is he who's in me than he who's in the world. In him, I'm above these things. In him, those things have lost their power on my life. What you set your focus on is what you empower. Amen? Amen? Psalms 23, one of the most famous psalms. You know, the Lord is my shepherd. And he goes through that amazing passage. But it says, it says, even if I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'm surrounded by death. That, that was actually a journal of David while he's actually running from enemies, armies. They're trying to destroy him. That when he's in the wilderness and they're encamped all around him. And he's like, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death where <laughs> if I'm on my own, I'm dead meat. Right? Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? Because I'm going to overpower the evil. 
No, because you're with me. I'm going to take my eyes off the shadow, off the death, off the evil, and I'm going to turn it to the shepherd. And I'm going to look at you. Now I, can fear, I don't fear anything because you're with me. Just turning my attention. What you focus on, you empower. Amen? Matthew 6, the Sermon on the Mount, one of the things that Jesus said, he said, the lamp of the body is the eye. If therefore your eye is good, your whole body will be full of light. What you, what you set your gaze on is going to determine what's coming in. If your eye is beholding the light of the world, it's a window. You're being filled with light. Your whole body is light, all right? That, when when that, that word in there that says if your eye is good, that word good can be, can be interpreted single, whole, sincere. So it can, it can mean unmixed and uncompromised focus. Unmixed, uncompromised focus. So, so when you're fully focused and undistracted, okay, when your eye's good, you, you, you've locked on, you've locked on and you're not letting go of what you're beholding. When your eye's good, you're, you're not allowing the distraction to go to other things. You're, you're, you're beholding what's good. It says your, your whole body will be filled with light. Come on. So, so the, the call in this is to not be distracted. Okay? So we need to focus on God. Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God and all its righteousness. And all these things that might try to distract you will be taken care of. Okay? You guys follow me? What you focus on, you empower I read this one last week and spent some time on it. Colossians 3, 1 through 4. This is a powerful passage to live from. If you were raised with Christ, and if you've been born again, this is you. If you've been raised with Christ, seek those things which are above where Christ is, sitting at the right hand of God. How many of you guys are seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus? If you, if you didn't say yes, it's either because you just don't think you should answer preachers in the front, or you don't believe it. I think that, I think you just wanted to and didn't. I don't, I'm just messing. Forgive me, I'm just being stupid up here. All right. You're, you, if you've been born again, you're seated in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, okay? You are seated in the Spirit. You are in Christ, and you're sitting at the right hand of the Father. And so you've been raised with Jesus. So you, your old man actually died with him. You've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer you who live. It's Christ who lives in you. You've been resurrected with Jesus. Come on. You've been made a new creation. All of things passed away. Behold, all things became new because you were born again. A new life. A child of the Most High God. 
So you have been raised in Christ, all right? If you have been raised with Christ, seek those things which are above where Christ is, sitting at the right hand of God. If you're in Christ, you're sitting at the right hand of God in Jesus. Okay? And, and that's, that's even said in Ephesians 2.6. So, so it's saying seek those things that are above where Christ is, but guess what? It's actually where you are too. So when you're seeking the things above, it's actually shifting your focus off of this earth realm, this realm, and it's, it's actually stepping into the ascended reality in Christ where you're seated with Him. And so what, what this is referring to as above is actually on the level that your spirit already is in Christ. Set your mind on the things above, not on the things of this earth. For you died and your life is hidden with Christ. With Christ, who is, our, who is our life, appears. You also appear with Him in glory. Which glory, the, the, re, the revealed glory is actually the end goal. That's what the Lord actually is doing all this stuff for. Is to manifest glory and to reveal it. Alright? Well, this is actually saying that when we choose to live a life where we're setting our focus and our attention in the reality that we've ascended with Jesus and that we're, we're in union with Him and He's seated at the right hand of the Father and we get to live from that place, I'm going to focus on that reality. And I'm not going to get distracted with the chaotic things of this earth. It doesn't mean that we become stupid to it. Okay, it doesn't mean that we're pretending like it doesn't exist. It means I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to choose to function from this place that's above all that. You with me? All right. <laughs> Good. What you focus on, you what? You empower. What you focus on, you empower. I, I, can, I can focus on the demonic realm and make that my targeted focus and my mission in life to try to go after the devil everywhere I go. Or I can focus on the glory of God and the fact that he's actually seated me right in the center of his Shekinah glory and live from that place. Which one do you want to empower in your life? <laughs> Come on. A few weeks back, I did a whole message on the difference between the sons of Sceva and Paul in Ephesus, all right? It was a good one. You should go back and re-listen to that one. It was good. I should probably sell that one for $5 just because it's that good. I'm just kidding. We, we, don't, we don't sell these. All right. Let's make, let's make, start making cassette tapes. That'll be a good idea. Sell them. So, so it's so funny when people get their recorders out on their phone and then the, later they say, oh, you, you, I, I tape recorded this. Oh, really? <laughs> I haven't seen one of those in years. So I'm just messing. All right, Sons of Sceva, though, you, you guys know the story. In, in, in Ephesus, revival's breaking out. And it's, it's amazing because it says that there were signs and wonders that were, how, how did it word it? The signs and wonders, there's unusual miracles. Like imagine having so many miracles that when new ones come, you call the new ones the unusual ones. Like in the modern church, any miracle is unusual. 
But to them, miracles was normal, and then God's like breaking their grid. I'm going I'm to show you that I'm not limited to the, to the miracles you've been walking in for years. Let's do unusual ones now. He's always breaking our limits, amen? And so, and Paul's walking in that, unusual miracles, and it gets so powerful, the, the anointing that's just protruding off of him. People are actually having him lay hands on aprons and, and handkerchiefs and different pieces of cloth so that the, that anointing could actually soak up in there like tangible power, du- tangible dunamis power that can be transmitted, whoa, soaked into a cloth, and then they took not where they didn't take Paul, they took the cloth to other places, and that anointing that soaked into the cloth actually brought healing and miracles and deliverance from demons. Whoa, that's quite a power. That's quite a power. People getting set free from demons from the overflow of something. He didn't even probably know what he's praying for. Yeah, give me your handkerchief. He holds it, just releases that in there. He knows what's flowing, power from heaven. Dunamis. Soaking that thing in the glorious anointing of God. And then they take it. And, what, and, and any place that it comes where there's bondage, where the devil has shackled somebody, God cares about that person. He cares about the person who has bondage and sickness. He cares about that person. And so he's releasing dunamis power to them, crushing Satan and his powers. And they get liberated. Because the anointing is always trying to set captives free. It's always trying to bring liberty to people. It's always trying to bring freedom and wholeness and and transformation of Christ to people. Come on. It's all about His glory being revealed. It's not about the demon. It's about the captive getting free and enjoying the fullness of Christ. And then in the anointing breaks the yoke of bondage, it says in Isaiah. Okay? The, The goal is not getting in the face of the devil, it's actually crushing him and, and getting to the heart of the person that was captive and releasing them into the fullness of Christ. Come on. Amen? And, and here's the sons of Sceva, and, and they're, they're going around to all these different places, and they're like, come here, devil. I saw Paul do this. I can do it too. He, he says in the name of Jesus, so I say in the name of Jesus that Paul's talking about doing it doing it and then they get sucker punched all seven of them beat up so bad that their their clothes get ripped to shred and they run out there naked that's crazy and they they said they said jesus i know paul i know but who are you okay (laughs) And, and it's crazy the story goes on and it says that the fear of god filled that region and, and, and then it says people, they ran, they ran to the Lord. And, and, and people had books of magic and sorcery, and they brought the books, and they piled them up so huge, like it was probably hundreds of millions of dollars worth of books. And they burned it to the Lord. Come on. 
That's revival. And how many of you guys would, would, would believe that principalities and powers are actually getting crushed and shaken in that region? Heck yeah. Heck yeah they were. So much that they got intimidated by what God's doing, they tried to stir up a riot against them. Paul was, was bringing strongholds and principalities down. Come on. Demons who, d- who never even saw Paul from another area are saying, I know who Paul is because he ruled and reigned with great authority in Christ. And, and so, and, and verse, in, in Acts 19.20, that's the chapter of the story, it says, after all that, it says, So the word of the Lord grew mightily and prevailed. Whoa. That's revival, and that's, that's spiritual warfare. That's crushing kingdom powers. Come on. Is that crazy? It's awesome. All right. But here's what I want to point out. Paul was not, it doesn't say anything about Paul going around calling down demons from the sky, rebuking principalities, and getting in the face of warrior demons, calling them down by name. It doesn't say anything about that. All right? But yet you see deliverances and you see strongholds falling. You see people who are in the occult running to repentance to the Lord. Why? Because Paul wasn't focused on the problem. He was focused on the solution. His, his focus and his life, his, his life, passion, and commitment was to bring the kingdom of God where it was absent. And so as an apostle, as a man of God, he's coming in with great authority in Christ and he's bringing the kingdom everywhere he goes. He's not binding and rebuking and calling the skies down. He's bringing the gospel of Jesus Christ and he's living it and demonstrating it in power and he's stewarding his own relationship with God so much that he lives it from the inside out, so much that he knows that the the Christ, the Messiah, the Anointed One is in him and he's living through him. He's one with Jesus. And the Anointed One is, is releasing his anointing through the person of Paul. So powerfully that those aprons and those handkerchiefs are bringing deliverances to places Paul never went. And the demons over there have a, they they know Paul. It wasn't because he was focused primarily on spiritual warfare. It's because he was focusing on bringing the kingdom of God, bringing heaven to earth everywhere he goes. And his role with the demons is to bulldoze over anything that gets in his way with his mission. Bill Johnson, I've heard him say this several times. He says, about the only attention I give to the devil is when he comes across my sights and then I pull the trigger. All right? I, I want you to know I am, I'm not saying that we don't ever have to deal with the devil. 
Um, and I'm not saying we don't ever have to address them, but what I'm saying is that what we behold, we empower. So if a demon gets in the way of my mission, I'm going to crush it. And I may speak to it, but I'm not going to give it my focus. And there's a lot of spiritual warfare movements that are real devil-focused. What you focus on, you empower. All right? How many of you guys have seen that movie by Mel Gibson, The Passion of the Christ? Great movie. It's a powerful, powerful movie. And I love that scene. It's earlier in the movie when Jesus is in the Garden of Gethsemane. And, and that was when Jesus was, he, he was so passionately praying and stressed that he was, he was, um, blood was coming forth from his forehead, I believe. But and he was, he's on his knees and he's praying to the Father and he's so focused on his Father. And, the, and you see the, the camera angle changes sometimes and you see Satan right there. And he's lurking. And he's excited. Because he, he's, he's, his, his day is finally coming, right? But Jesus doesn't look at him. And then, and then Satan releases the snake out of his robe and it goes and it crawls on Jesus and Jesus still doesn't look he's locked on to his father I'm not gonna I'm not going to give my attention to anything else and it's slithering on his hand and then when he's done praying when he finished what he was there to accomplish in prayer then he stands up, he looks over at Satan, he knew he was there the whole time, and then he crushed on the serpent and destroyed it. I think that is an incredible picture of what our attention to the devil should look like. We don't act like he's not there. The Bible actually says that we, we don't want to be ignorant of his schemes. So we need to have awareness, but, we, but, but to give him our full attention, we're actually shifting our focus off to the primary thing where it belongs. Okay? Set your mind on things above, not the things of this earth. Guess what the, one, of the most, um, one of the most earthly things is? Satan. Because he was cast out of the place that God said to set your mind on. Satan, or God cast him out of there, and now when he's calling you to put your attention there, it's a place where Satan doesn't even exist. All right? Again, I'm not saying that we don't put a measure of attention on him because we need to know what's going on, but, but like Bill said, I, I only want to give him the attention I need to crush him when he's blocking my view or my pathway. All right? You guys hearing me? And there's even a passage in 1 John that says, for this reason that, that Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil. And, and you've got to understand that Jesus' mission is way beyond, it's not about coming here looking for the devil and destroying him. He's actually trying to destroy the devil by, by bringing restoration to the things that the devil tried to put bondage on. So his actual goal is, is the salvation and the freedom and the blessing on his children. And he's crushing Satan 
by releasing captives and making them whole. The crushing of Satan is the byproduct of heaven coming and having its way. Amen? <laughs> there, there's the tension. I, I keep referencing it. Don't, we, we don't want to get distracted from God or our assignment. But at the same time, we do need to still crush the devil when he's resisting what God is trying to have us accomplish. All right? So it doesn't mean there's no attention. It just means keep it in its right place. All right? Put, like, like, let God be like this, and then maybe the devil like, oh, I, I see that. The Lord of the flight. God, my mission. The devil. Okay? You guys doing okay? You sure? Okay. Man, there's so much more to say. This is turning into a longer series. The, the, the most power, oh, sorry, that's not where I was going. I, when, I, when I, Jessica and I first moved to Bethel in 2009, um, I, we, we were going to a class that they had on Sunday mornings called Fire Starters. Great class. And so there's this one week when this girl who was one of the leaders in the class named Erica, um, she, she was connecting with Jessica and me and she prophesied over me. And she said, she said, I see you. The Lord's going to, he's going to raise you up and there's going to come a time when he's going to send you to places that have um, heavy demonic strongholds in them. And you're going to worship the Lord and the strongholds are going to fall and regions are going to be free. Come on. That's a good word. It was especially exciting to me and perked my interest when I moved there fresh from Hawaii where I hadn't actually received the Bethel culture yet. And I still was functioning from old mindsets. And I was like, that's amazing. That's confirming to me because I, I know that God's sending me to places where, where the demons are and he call, He's called me to go there so I can... So I can wrestle not with flesh and blood, but bring principalities and powers down. And because I, up to that time, I, I had a real strong um, focus on the, the kingdom of darkness and, and spiritual warfare and, and just really focusing on crushing that stuff. And she's like, oh, no, 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 no. I, I need you to understand what I feel like the Lord's actually trying to say in that. And, and she actually, she said that, the, the, they've, they've actually known lots of people who have had real focuses on spiritual warfare in these ways, and, uh, and, and they actually were so focused on the warfare that the, they opened themselves unmeaningly or unknowingly to the enemy attacking them in ways, and they weren't, they weren't covered well, and, and the, they've, seen, they've seen common um, patterns of this happening where people start getting curses on their life. Moms start having stillbirths. And, and people get sickness. People get plagued with paranoia. Different things like this. And she's like, that, what you were saying, she said it humbly, that's not quite the, what, I, what I'm saying. And I'm embarrassed at this point because I'm about to get schooled. But the Lord said to me, humble yourself and have a teachable heart. You came to this place because you know they've got something that you need. And, and I, had to, I had to shift it. And so she started actually 
sharing with me how Benny Johnson teaches people. I hope to get to that one of these days. I want to talk to you guys about how Benny Johnson has taught us to do spiritual warfare. I will get there. I promise. Lord, please help me. Help me. Not, don't change my plan. No, I'm just I'll do whatever you want me to, Lord. But, but she was saying, no, no, the focus is not on crushing the devil. It's on bringing heaven. It's on, it's on I, I see you, it, uh, the focus on the worship. The worship. You, you're going you're gonna to bring, you're going to release the intimacy of Christ and the atmosphere of heaven to a place and, and it will crush Amen. the principalities. And, and I, I start, that started me on a new journey of, of, of understanding how this stuff works more powerfully and, and it keeps me a lot more safe because when I'm hidden in Christ and His glory, like who am I hidden from? Somebody who I need to be hidden from, okay? And I'm covered in the blood of Jesus. And, uh, but, but since then, I've learned uh, one example of who does this, what she was prophesying, I understood this later, is a guy named Sean Foyt. And some people like him, some people don't. Do whatever you want, I don't care. I like him. But, but back before last year, when people decided if they like him or not, he was doing things um, like, similar to that, but he, the Lord has called him to go to some of the most darkest and in bondage places in the world. And the Lord opens doors to him to go there. As a matter of fact, one of the t- he actually has an album where every song was recorded where he's releasing the worship, releasing the atmosphere of heaven in each of these locations where there's bondage in places. One of those places... North Korea. The Lord gave him access to go across the border in North Korea, and they allowed him to set up his guitar and, his, and his, his, whatever he had there in the middle of this room where they surrounded him by soldiers with guns ready to shoot him if he does anything they don't like. That's, that's pretty intimidating. But in the middle of that room, he starts worshiping. And he engages with heaven. He's lifting his eyes off the problem, right? Lift his eyes off the snakes that want to bite him to heaven, to the solution. Get your eyes off the problem, onto the solution. He's connecting with being seated in heavenly places, releasing worship, being a conduit of heaven, heaven to earth. I'm going to release the atmosphere from heaven that I am seated in into the earth around me. And while he's worshiping, he's looking around at the guys, and several of them have tears streaming down their, their face. They're not allowed to respond to him or they will get killed. So they're staying stiff, in position, and inside they're crying their hearts out. He's releasing an atmosphere shift into a dark place. And he's gone to many places. He, he goes to the Middle East regularly to do this where he could get beheaded. Do you guys get what I'm trying to say with all this? Like, like we, we need to know what we're focusing on. We need, to, we need to put our focus where the answers are, where the solution is, and release the solution into the problem. I have so many more things I wanted to say. One of my biggest weaknesses in preaching is pre-calculating how long I'm going to talk. 
got so much more I want to say, and it's, it's getting good and better. So I hope you guys can handle me after Steve is done next week. <laughs>